0: Uh, Let's go ahead and uh, start off with prayer and see what the Lord has for us amen lord god i just ask you right now to come down upon this word lord god i thank you right now that you're going to anoint this message lord jesus you're going to bring it to the hearer lord god and you're going to do a work in their lives father god i thank you that today is a day to mobilize today is a day to set the course and to give us marching orders and father god i just thank you right now that you're doing that for the church and for every one of us individually in jesus name and everybody said Amen. I hope you said that at home because uh, usually I get a round of a, just a sounding amen around here, but uh, hallelujah, amen, this is what we're doing here today. Uh, I just, you know, we are living in crazy, interesting times to say the least. It's kind of unprecedented. Uh, things that are going on now has It's basically never happened before. Yes, we've had pandemics and infections and death and sickness and disease all throughout human history, but it's never been like this because it's never been so uniquely tied to one another and so uh, advertised and talked about, spoken about globally. It's just an incredible, incredible time. Um, And uh, it's kind of, we're charting some unknown territory in some respects, uh, but it's good, and uh, Today I really believe that the, the Lord has a word for you as the body of Christ for all of us and uh, I'm so excited. But before I get into the, into the word and into the Bible, I have a story to tell because it's my, uh, it's, it's, it really uh, reflects our times. So the Wolf family has uh, had fun at times going on snowmobile trips. And uh, if my kids are out there watching, I know they are, they're going to go, oh, brother. Uh, But we have done, you know, we are not huge snowmobilers. You know, there's those people that, like, snowmobile is their fifth appendage. And they can just, they know what they're doing. And everything's cool. And nothing ever happens. Well, that's not us. So uh, we just like to have adventure. And uh, one day I was like, let's go snowmobiling. So we pack the kids up and we go. Well, one time we went. And uh, we were with The Sims. And our other couple of families that are, are, uh, were our cohorts in crime at that time did not go with us. It was just them and us. And uh, anyway, so we were out there. We were, we were going. We had, we had a plan. So this time, instead of having a tour guide, we decided to rent on our own. So we went and rented the snowmobiles. We had no one with us that knew what they were doing other than our dear and lovely husbands, which, in my mind, knew everything, Right. So uh, we rented the snowmobiles, we had a map, we had, I had packed food, Sandy packed food, we had so much food packed into those, and drinks, and just, we were good, the kids all had their long underwear on, and we were set to go, and we had a destination. We were gonna go to a, a lookout, and it was gonna be really cool up there with a great view, and it was just gonna be a ball. We were gonna get up there, have lunch, come back, it was gonna be a great day. I had it all planned out. And it was going to be amazing. So we get going. And uh, we did not have the foresight to really look at the weather. And uh, it was uh, like in the upper 30s that day. And it was kind of raining. And uh, we didn't think that that would really affect a snowmobile. But... Warm weather with a snowmobile is not a good thing. It, uh, snowmobiles have a tendency to uh, go, but then if you slow down, they kinda go boom, and they sink down in the snow, so then you have to dig it out and pull it out, and those things are not heavy. Dig it out, pull it out, give up, and then it'll boom. You know, so we really, we started struggling, and about the fourth time that this thing, you know, and you know, now Grant, you gotta remember, there's seven children and only four adults. Seven children, four adults, and I think like five or six snowmobiles Sinking into the snow, so we're out there. We're, we're going, and every time it's like, okay, let's pull out the map, make sure we're on the right trail. Because you know what? Trails get covered up with snow, and you never know where you're at. So we're out there, we're going, and about the fourth time that thing sunk in the snow, it was just like, okay, this is bad. Because this time it's on a hill. And uh, we we're like, we're like, what are we going to do, you know, and the kids are, ah, get off the snowmobiles. And, and, you know, things were kind of taking a turn, but the thing that really set me uh, in a different direction was I looked over at my husband and he had the map and he was like this, and then he kind of turned it around and then he kind of turned it around again. And he said, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh. and I'm like, you don't know where we're at, do you? And Everything shifted inside of my head, everything. I mean, at, at first I am totally in control and I know that he's in control and we're good. Uh, but now we are not in control, we do not know where we're at, our snowmobiles are sunk and it's not good. So uh, it was so funny. So at this moment something shifted inside of me. All of my confidence went away. All of my you know, excitement for the day went away. All of a sudden it's like, okay, we have trouble here. I did not have control over the big picture. So the first thing I try to do is to grab control of what I could. I look over, and there is Sterling. And Sterling at this point, he's probably three years old, he's probably three, you know, I don't know. And we had him in a huge, you know, snowsuit. so he's got kind of like, like this, and he's got a helmet on, and it's a full face helmet, and, and I look over, and you wouldn't know it, but the kid is screaming at the top of his lungs. So you see through the mask this, but you can't hear anything. So now I know things, I can't help him, I can't take anything off, or he'll freeze, you know, and it's just, it's just like, okay, This is bad. We have got something bad going on. I have to take control of everything I can take control of. And so I look around and I'm like, okay, this just, we we might freeze to death out here. We might get buried out here. We might not be found until spring. So many things might just happen right now. Everything that might happen now was not even in the picture just a few moments ago, but now things have changed. So I'm like, we have got to eat. We have to eat. This might be our last meal. So I pull out all the food. I start shoving it in children's faces. They're like, I don't want to eat. This might be your last meal, eat. And so I'm making them all eat. And then in the back of my head, I'm thinking that'll lighten the load too. It'll just move the weight from the back of the snowmobile into their stomachs. I understand that now, but I was thinking we were gonna lighten the load. Eat your food. Eat your crusts. I don't know. We ah, where are we at? You know, I started really going kind of freaky, and uh, then I pulled out. Uh, Sandy Sims had been very nice to to um, to uh, pack a uh, airpot. Yeah, and the airpot was full of hot chocolate. She was so thoughtful. So the story goes very differently right here because I believe and remember that AirPod wouldn't work and that that AirPod uh, was old and kind of cracked and not working. She informed me the other day, however, that it was a brand new AirPod that they bought that day. I think not. Anyway, so I looked at that airpot and I thought, dead weight, not needed. And so I made everybody drink as, drink more, drink more, I made everybody drink and then I took that air pot. and we were up on the side of a hill and there was a cliff there. I took that air pot and just hucked it as hard as I could. And all the kids were like, oh, she just threw the air pot. And somebody's he's like, my air pot. you know, it was terrible. And I'm like, we don't need it, it's dead weight. We gotta fix this thing, we gotta get out of here. And I'm just like, it was so funny. So um, anyway, uh, Fear does strange things to people, and uh, you wanna take control as much as you possibly can, and that airpot uh, throwing kind of uh, is the epitome of anymore whenever we talk about uh, those fear moments, those moments where we wanna just kinda grab onto whatever we can and take control and, and throw an airpot. Let me tell you, it did feel good at the moment. But anyway, so you know, I had a vision for, for that day and that plan, and it changed. I had absolutely zero control over the big picture and at that moment when fear crept into my life, when it shifted from confidence and knowing what was going on to not knowing, there was just this shift inside of me and at that moment my mind opened up into places that I didn't even know existed in there. And it's, it's, it's really a lot, it's a snapshot of what life is like right now for a lot of people and you know we might think we've got it together and we're doing fine and but then all of a sudden we have those air pot moments where it's like something shifts inside of us and and fear wants to gri- grip and take over and you know fear is just an amazing thing it's uh it's it's really you know uh, the bible speaks against fear over 365 times Fear. What is fear? And we talk a lot about fear in church, and, and we talk a lot about it uh, all the time, but I just today I really want us to get a real good grip on it and make some shifts. So what is fear? Fear is thoughts and, or emotions that interrupt the process in the brain that regulates uh, emotions and thoughts that lead to actions. So your brain has this really cool system inside of it that regulates all sorts of, uh, you know, thoughts and actions. And your brain is always in there going, well, you know, probably not. Maybe you should. Or, yeah, I think that's good. Ah, nah. You know, because really, it's not really that. It's really this is truth. So you've got this regulator in your brain that's always kind of working. But when you have fear inside, when you get hit with fear, that regulator goes. Phew. And fear interrupts that and takes over. And fear causes us to think things, to say things, and to do things that we never thought we would ever do in our life. It's a, fear, if you have a fear in your relationship, it's going to cause you to say things to that person that, that you would never think that you would do. Fear has this ability to kind of supersede your mind and your brain and take over and cause you to do things that, that is not, it pushes you into impulsive reactions. It causes you to lose sight and lose control. Fear disengages logic and truth from action. Now we were made in the likeness and image of God and part of that is your, your mind. You're able to think, your, your ability to discern, your ability to weigh things and, and know truth and what isn't truth and then to make decisions. And anything that comes in to stop that from working inside of your brain is not of Him. And that's fear. Fear ceases to allow, you know, it causes us to not be able to really regulate things And when fear comes in, then all sorts of other things come in and then we start acting out of the will of God. So this is what fear is. So I want you to open up your Bible right now to uh, Timothy one, verse seven. And we've heard this verse so many times. Timothy one, verse seven. And it reads like this. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity or fear, but a spirit of power, of love and of self-control or self-discipline, depending on your, your translation there. But that's what the Bible says very strongly about fear. Now I gotta give you a little background. Paul is writing to Timothy in the New Testament after, this is after Jesus has uh, died and rose again and gone back up into heaven and the, the church has been birthed. And uh, Timothy is a young man, a young convert, a young person in the faith. And Paul is the, the old guy that's coaching him and saying you can do this. And all of a sudden a guy comes into political power by the name of Nero. And Nero uh, does some, is just, he's, he's just awful, he's, he's hateful towards Christianity, he, he sets up this situation, he sets up persecutions against the church, he sets up all sorts of things, and he sets up also some very gruesome, cruel punishments. And so as Timothy is bringing the word to his church, there's always the chance and the opportunity for the, uh, the authorities to come in and take him and torture him. So Timothy's in in the real meal deal. He truly is. This is not a, you know, happy day. You know, don't fear. You're going to have a good, happy day today. No, this is don't fear in the face of real possibilities here. And, and Paul has the gall to say that you're not supposed to be afraid. He says, Do not be afraid. He says, God has not given you a spirit of fear. So I just want to, uh, it, it is a spirit. It is a spirit of fear. So what is a spirit? A spirit is a a breath. A spirit is a whole different dimension than this table. He hasn't given me a table of fear a book or cup or whatever. No, because I can see these things and I can pick this thing up and I can put this away and I can throw it away and I can walk away from this. But spirits are things that operate all around us. It's in the, the spirits are an ethereal thing that, that knows no boundaries. It doesn't know I've walked away or I, I can't lock it into another room and be free of it. A spirit is something that wants to come and can be with us all the time. But God has not given us a spirit of fear, spirit of fear, um, So he's saying, do not let fear reign. But I love the rest of this verse because it's not just a do not. He goes on to tell us what he does give us. So God doesn't give us a spirit of fear, but he gives us three things. And this is what I want to focus on for the rest of the day. The three things that God has given us that we are called to really walk in. The first thing it says here is that he did not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power. A spirit of power. And I looked at that and I thought, I know what power is right here and I know what power is in my own mind of my own abilities to make something happen or to think of something or to make do something or I know the power that I hold inside of me. I can move a rock this big and I can dig a hole this big and I can do this and I can do that. I have power. But God says here that he's given us a spirit of power. So what is that? What does that do? What does that mean for me? A spirit of power. And usually we just kind of brush right all the, you know, usually preachers will say, don't be afraid, but he's given us a spirit of power and love. We kind of brush over the next three, but those next three things are so amazing. So that word power there means you have a spirit that God has given you that lives inside of you, that encircles you, that walks with you. Uh, Spirit is to a human being like wind is to a tree. You don't see it but you feel its effects. It blows you, it blows in through you and over you and around you and the spirit that God gives you is a spirit of power. A spirit of power. For you see, you are in him and he is in you. I want to read to you uh, Colossians 2 verse 9. And I'm going to read it to you out of the passion. So let me pull it up here. Uh, Give me just a quick second. Colossians 2. And I'm going to start at verse 9. For he, this is Jesus, and I'm just going to read for a little bit. So just let this wash over you. This is the spirit of power that is in you. For he is the complete fullness of deity living in human form. And our own completeness is now found in him. We are completely filled with God as Christ's fullness overflows within us. He is the head of every kingdom and authority in the universe. Through our union with him, we have experienced circumcision of heart. All of the guilt and power of sin has been cut away and is now extinct because of what Christ the anointed one has accomplished for us. For we've been buried with him into his death. Our baptism unto death also means that we were raised with him when we believed in God's resurrection power. The power that raised him from death's realm. This realm of death describes our former state. For we were held in sin's grasp, but now we've been resurrected out of that realm of death, never to return. Did you hear that? Never to return. You cannot be afraid of death. For we are forever alive and forgiven of all our sins. Forever, did you see that word forever? He canceled out every legal violation we had on our record and the old arrest warrant that stood to indict us. He erased it all. Our sins, our stained soul, he deleted it all. They cannot be retrieved. Everything we once were in Adam has been placed onto his cross and nailed permanently there with a public display of cancellation. Then Jesus made a public spectacle of all the powers and principalities of darkness stripping away from them every weapon and all their spiritual authority and power to accuse. And by the power of the cross, Jesus led them around as prisoners in a procession of triumph. He was not their prisoner, they were his. That is the power of the cross. That is the spirit of power that Jesus Christ, who lives inside of you, is wanting to blow and to influence and to overtake your mind and your thoughts. That is the power. That is the mindset. That is the thought process. That is the spirit that resides inside of you. So now it's very easy for him to say, God has not given you a spirit of fear but he has given you a spirit of power, the power of the cross and it resides in you and on you and through you and you speak that power and you release that power all the time. And that's where you're to live. You may not be in total control of everything in your life right now, but I do know one who is, and he is far greater. The spirit of love, for God has not given you a spirit of fear, oh no, oh no, my friend. He has given you a spirit of power and of love, power and love. Raw power can be exercised in such a negative way but the amazing piece of the puzzle here that when Jesus exercises his power it is with complete love as well and that love harnesses his power to do amazing things in the kingdom. Love, God's agape love, his love consumes all things. There is nothing that can stand against the love of God except for one thing. There's only one thing that can stand against and rebuff his love. That's the will of a man or a woman. God has given us a will, a free will, and he refuses to take it back. All the love that he could do for you, everything he could pour out upon you, all the goodness, all the grace, all the mercy, all of it is there. It is a love that can triumph over everything. But if you choose to say no, his love cannot penetrate into you and you are left without his spirit. And he will not overrule that That is your place. Your heart, your life, everything within you is governed by your free will, which is a gift from God. But it also gives you the ability to say no to him. To stand in rebellion and say, no, I'm going to do this in my own power. I'm going to do this in my own way. And all the love that God has to pour out upon you has to stop, it has to kind of recede. It's standing there, it's wanting, it's wanting to overwhelm you, it's wanting to overflow over you, it's wanting to consume you, it's wanting to wash away all of your guilt and your shame, it's wanting to show you the way through your life. He has a plan, he has, a, he has it all laid out for you when he, you were conceived in your mother's womb. But if you say no, he will honor that. And his love will recede back just a little bit and give you enough room to be what you want to be. But all the while, it's ready. It's ready, it's ready, it's ready that as soon as you will turn to him, as soon as you turn to him and say, Father, God, Daddy, God, help me, it will be unleashed upon you. And the love of God will consume you. And all of you who have said yes to the Lord, all of you who have have accepted him into your life, you and I both know, we all know, that we can draw circles around areas of our life and say, you have all this, but not this. But the Lord, the God of the universe, wants to consume every bit of you with his love. And once we yield and his love is inside of us, It's our place now to love with that same love. God's love, God's love. It's unstoppable. It's unchangeable, it's perfect, it's full of all grace and all mercy and all hope and all justice and all truth. He loves perfectly. He loves perfectly. Therefore, we are called to love perfectly. Therefore, we are called to love those who don't deserve it. Therefore, we are called to love. We are called to love everyone and everything, everyone and everything. But if those decide not to love, then we will give them the birth they need, but we are standing there ready to overwhelm them with the love of God. Ready. And I will tell you, dear church, there's a billion soul harvest coming and I will guarantee you of those billion souls that are going to come flooding into the kingdom, come flooding to the throne room of God, they're not all, not all going to be pretty. They're not all going to be perfect for it's my prayer that it will they will be coming from the homeless camps they'll be coming from every corner of our cities and of our nations and in jesus name we will not as the church stand in a place of judgment but we will stand with the love of god inside of us ready to consume them to overwhelm them with his love and with his mercy and with his grace and with his forgiveness and to teach them truth and justice For God has not given you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and a spirit of love. Oh, people of God, church of Jesus Christ, I am calling you to walk in love. The third thing he gives us is a sound mind, and I love this one. The third thing he gives us is a sound mind, sophrenio, sophrenio, however you say it, I'm not a big Greek scholar, but sophrenio. It's a conjunction of two words, sound mind in English, but in, in the Greek, it's sozo and phroneo, sozo and phroneo, two words. The word sozo means a, uh, something that has been on the verge of death, but has been saved, that has been delivered has been rescued, has been salvaged, and is now safe and secure. So the whole thought process here is that something, something was on the verge of death, something was being taken over, something was completely doused and filled with, with evil, with death, with sickness, with disease, but it's been now taken and salvaged and rescued and, and delivered and saved and is now safe and secure. And the word froneo means intelligence. It means your emotions, your rationality, your logic, every process engaged in human mind function, decision, and decision making. Everything in your brain, everything you do, everything you function as a human being coming out of your brain. So put those two things together. God is saying, your brain, yourself, the way you acted, has been on the verge of death. It hasn't been good inside of you. But the Lord comes with a spirit of a sound mind, not a sound lung or liver. You know, he doesn't, it's the sound mind. He wants to bring you soundness of your mind in your thinking process, in your emotions and get it into a safe place. It is a rational, logic, emotional mind that once was ravaged but is now revived and salvaged and shielded from illogical, absurd, ridiculous, unfounded thoughts and set them to truth. This is the epitome of taking every thought captive. The Bible says to be still and know that I am God the word God there is Elohim meaning the God of God's overall overarching the big kahuna he is God there is no other God before this God and he they call he calls us to be still be still what does that mean let go of my power let go of the rope let go of all my doings all of my tryings, all of my actions and be still Hush, be still, and know, and know that He is God. Be still. A sound mind knows how to be still. Oh Lord, in times like this, I need to know how to be still to quiet all of the, the ranklings and all of the possibilities and all of the fears and all of the possibilities that didn't ever used to be there in life, but are there now. I need to know how to still them. But you can't just quiet, you have to be something. Be still and know that I am God. Daniel 2.20, and I wanna turn over here. Daniel 2.20. I'm seeing comments come through online, and I just, those, those mean the world to me. I just want you to fire those up. If you need prayer, get on there. We've got some online hosts that'll, that'll be, get in touch with you and pray with you. If you need prayer, just, just make comments. Be with me here through this. Amen? Daniel 2. And I'm going to be reading out of the Message Bible. Yeah, the Message Bible. Daniel 2. Let me, uh, and I'm going to start at verse 20. And uh, just to let you know a little background very quickly, uh, it's where Daniel has been taken to Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. He wants to know what his dream means. He calls in all of the, uh, uh, you know, all of his high people or whatever and says, I need to know the meaning of this dream, but I'm not going to tell you what the dream was. You have to tell me what my dream is and my meaning, and I'm going to kill you in the morning if you don't. So Daniel goes home. And he gets his friends to start praying, and this is what happens. That night, the answer to the mystery was given to Daniel in a vision. Daniel blessed God in heaven and said, blessed, now this is, this is the cool thing, blessed be the name of God forever and ever. He knows all, does all. Now I want you to catch this. He changes the seasons and guides history. So in other words, there's going to be changes. And there's going to be, change. Uh, he's, history is going to change and there's going to be seasons in history. History is going to change. But he, God, changes the seasons and guides history. He raises up kings and he also brings them down. He provides both intelligence and discernment. He opens up the depths, tells secrets, and sees in the dark light spills out of him. So I love that passage Because it tells me something about God. It tells me uh, something to help me still my thoughts. It tells me that that he changes seasons. In other words, there will be some changes that come. And I'm not in charge. God is in charge. He changes seasons. And I got to be okay with that. I got to know how to say, okay, daddy, where are we headed now? I didn't know this was the way it was going to be. In fact, I had a plan. I had an idea. I had a destination, but you are in charge. So therefore you have changed the season and I'm in it now. So father, where do I go now? What do I do now? How can I be still and know that you are God? How can I be focused on you and not on fear? Because as soon as we lose control, fear wants to grip us. And when fear grips us, we forget everything. We start doing things and saying things we're not supposed to. Fear. He changes the seasons and He guides history. He raises up kings and He brings them down. He provides intelligence and discernment. He opens up the depths. He tells secrets. He sees in the dark and light spills out of Him. But now I want you to move. I want you to turn over to Daniel chapter seven. And this is a this is just a couple couple chapters later. And and Daniel is is in a vision. And now in this vision he sees deeper into this. And now he says in verse. Verse 25 there, it says he, and this word he now is referring actually to Lucifer, to Satan. And this is Satan's plans. He says, Satan will speak against the Most High, and he will oppress his holy people. Now, let's just take a moment here. I wanted, uh, I'm want to. i going to give you that in a couple different translations. It's not going to be on your screen, but I'm just going to fire them off to you. The one that you just heard right there, I believe, was the message Bible, or no, NIV. Uh, the, uh, the English translation says, he will speak words against the most high and shall wear out the saints. Um, in other words, he will speak ag- uh, against the most high and wear down the saints. He will speak pompous words against the most high, this is the New King James, and shall persecute the saints. He will speak against the most high. So Satan's plan is to begin to bring words against the most high. This is his plan. This is his strategy. Just like in Genesis 3. Did did God really say that is that really what what he said? Do you think that's really what he means? Is that really he begins to question the words spoken, question the prophets, question God's words, question the things that he's given to you, and he's going to speak against the most high. He's going to say God is non-existent, he is gonna say God is not there for you. He is gonna say God will do it for everyone else but you. He is gonna bring all of these things against Most High and he's gonna do it to wear out the saints. Now what does that wear out mean or oppress? That is very specific. It is an emotional and mental barrage that he is gonna bring constantly, 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 constantly to wear you out. To wear down your mind, to wear down your emotions so that you are not sound of mind any longer. That is his goal. That is his goal because he knows that if he can do that, then he can, he can, reign, he can do anything that he wants. So he will speak against the Most High. He will oppress his saints and try to change the set times and laws. So it is his goal that after he speaks and begins to wear out and question and breathe doubt into the people and try to oppress the holy people of which you are, then he's going to do something next and he's going to try to change the set times and the laws. But what did the uh, Daniel 2 say? It says that God is the one that sets the times and the seasons. It is in his hand. But we see here that the devil himself is set that if he can begin to bring his railings and if he can begin to oppress the holy people and to wear them out and to get his holy people to be fearful and to step back and to be tired of it and want to just be done with the spiritual side of things and just walk and just live their life and build their own homes and fix up their own whatevers. If he can do that, then the devil's going to try to change the set times and the laws. That's, that's crazy. Now skip down to verse 26. I love this. But the court will sit and his power will be taken away and completely destroyed forever. Now I understand that this is a, an end time prophecy. But prophecy in the Bible is a very interesting thing. It has relevance for the day that it was spoken. It also has relevance for the future day when it's going to be fulfilled. And it has relevance all the way through. So as you see that, I need you to see that the court will sit and his power will be taken away. Even though he's trying to rail against everything you know, and he's trying to wear you down emotionally, he's trying to take you into fear, God says God will not give you a spirit of fear, but he's giving you a spirit of power and of love and of sound mind. But the court will sit. The court, the court, what is this court? Who is this court? What is this court? Is a court in heaven? Is it a God alone on the judgment seat? What is this court? We have very good cause to know that Jesus in the New Testament brought his people, his Ecclesia into that court. His Ecclesia, we have been given power in that court. We are a part of that court that is going to sit and be able to speak and bring a judgment that will totally destroy the power of the enemy and his strength and his plans and his attempts to change set times and laws. Matthew 16:8 Turn over there to with me, and we've read this a hundred times. This is when you find Jesus and and Peter and the disciples at Caesarea Philippi in the front of, uh, right before the very gates of where the satanic rituals, where they were doing child uh, uh, sacrifices and such evil was happening, and he stood right in the front of it, in front of it, and he asked his disciples, "Who do the people say I am?" And Peter says, You are Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father. And I tell you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my ecclesia. Not on a, a building, not on a religious sect, not on do's and don'ts, not on the law and those that keep the law perfectly, but on those who declare who Jesus Christ truly is. He will build his church, his ecclesia, and the gate of hell will not prevail against that one. The gates of hell will not prevail against that one. It kind of sounds like Daniel where it says that we're gonna sit in a court and strip him of his powers. For I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. This is actions taken on the earth. This is not something going on in heaven. This is the point and the place where we take our stand as the ecclesia. And we bind on earth what will be loosed in heaven. And we loose on earth what will be loosed in heaven. We are a part of that courtroom that will sit. And as Satan rises up at different times in the, in the history of the earth, he wants to rise up and he wants to oppress his holy people, but the court will sit and the court is convening. Even now the court is convening and I'm asking you people of God, where are you? Where are you? For your mouth has been given you to declare. Oh, your mouth. You are made in the image and likeness of God and with your mouth you create. You create. You create. I ask you, I implore you, I direct you. Create. Prophesy. The word of God. Bind every demonic power. Bind up every attempt of the enemy to change the times and the seasons and loose the Spirit of God. This is our time. This is our time. Band, come up. I'd like you to come. I didn't bring my communion. I need somebody to bring me communion. I didn't grab it. Thank you, sorry. At one point, a couple weeks ago, you know I really don't like this church thing the way it is, I don't like it. I think I need a Kleenex too. I don't like it, I'll just be really honest with you. I don't like it and when we started this, that's good, just one I'll do. I didn't like it. And uh, for, for many reasons, you know, just on a selfish reason, I, I like you, I like to see you, I like to love you, I like to feel you, I, I'm a pastor, I love to check on my sheep, I like, to, uh, I like to look in your eyes and know how you're doing, speak into your life. Like to be a part of your world, i like to, I like to cheer you on, and I just like to, I just like you. And uh, you know I'm not going to be a liar here, I've had fear. I feared for you, I feared for this church, I feared for the kingdom, I fear. And I said that one day to, to my husband, I said, I'm, I'm just, I'm kind of afraid, and he's like, why are you afraid, I'm just, our people need us. They need each other, and I don't want them to flounder. I don't want them to be scattered. I don't want them to lose. I want them to be led. And I can't lead. And Dwayne said something really profound. People of God, you've been taught well. We've all been taught well. We've been led well. We know what this presence of God is, we know his word. And Dwayne said, don't fear, for they are growing in their maturity even now. They're stepping in to this life in Christ like they've never had to before. And I think and I know for a fact that's true, that you're, you're okay, you're growing. You're growing and, and, and you're doing things that you probably wouldn't have done in the spirit realm if everything was as usual. We don't want that, we don't want usual anymore. And I love this opportunity to be able to bring to you truth and knowledge and excitement, but in reality, you do it on your own. And I am here to say to you, and I can yell it in, and I'm with you for just a short period of time, but I pray that you will carry this throughout the week, that God has not given you a spirit of fear, that thing that wants to come into your mind and take away the soundness of it and remove your ability to make choices and thoughts. But instead, he has come To give you power and love and a sound, soundness of mind. We're going to take communion here. And we're going to close with that song that we were singing about victory and and all of that amazing stuff you guys did. I was just, worship was amazing. It's pretty funny. I was back in the nursery actually taking care of Easton and Ellie just crying, hearing it. Our power is not in of ourselves. Our power is through the cross. Our power that we walk in, our hope of glory, our hope for all things, rests on the fact that Jesus Christ lived, he was the son of God, he was fully man and fully God, and he came to this earth and he gave himself up for us. And on that cross, He made a spectacle of every demonic thing, including Lucifer himself, who is now at work once again to speak against the Most High and to try, try, try to change the times and the seasons. But the court sits and the ecclesia has been invited in because the broken body of Christ. Father God, I acknowledge right now the broken body of Christ and that in Him, we have victory. And I take this broken body today In memory of that, in remembrance, I bring it all the way from 2,000 years ago to today to this moment right now. And I say through this, I have the power to bind up and to loose, to bind the enemy and to loose the kingdom in Jesus' name. Take the bread. the cup the blood of Jesus spilled and according to Revelation the lamb who's slain still stands at the very center of the throne room on the throne as a freshly sacrificed lamb and his blood continues to flow and all of the beings around the throne bow before him Blood continues to flood out and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Father God, we love you and we praise you. Praise you, Father God, for it is in this that we have victory. It is in this we have victory. It is in this that we